Hello, welcome to 14 Speaks. I'm Jenny Holt. And I'm Dylan Vansickle. Oscar nominations were announced this past Tuesday, and like all 90 other Oscars before this one, everybody's got a take. But today, we just have one, or three. We're speaking with Cody, managing editor for 14 East, and also our movie fan in residence. But Cody, you are a critic now, and this was your first year. Yes. So you had a top 10 list. Yeah. And there was one big snub, eighth grade. Yeah, one of a few, for sure. If it were to get nominated, what do you think it should have been nominated for? I think at least original screenplay for sure because and maybe even director for Burnham because it was such a challenging but also really well done directorial debut and screenplay debut and it was his first time doing a feature and it was really highly regarded amongst critics and audiences but I feel like because of the subject matter it's very much like about a teen girl and you know all these things it was seen less than so the Oscars are going to be airing on February 24th on ABC with no host. Yep. <laughs> so, because as we all know, Kevin Hart got backlash for mm-hmm. some past homophobia in tweets and recorded and comedy specials. Current homophobia. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, and current because he didn't really, he defended himself and he kind of did a non-apology step down mm-hmm. from hosting the Oscars and they decided that instead of getting someone good, they would just have no host. So how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> the Kevin Hart thing is complicated and incredibly frustrating, mostly because he's like many other comedians who have received backlash for similar things. It's very entitled to the sanctity of comedy. Mm -hmm. like laughs over someone's feelings, right? And he, while this sort of press tour kept going around and like all this hubbub was happening about being like, oh, are you sorry for this? Are you sorry for this? He said, I already apologize for this. He didn't, but he just Mm -hmm. says that he does and he's not actually owning up to what he said and actually doesn't believe that Mm -hmm. what he said was wrong. If someone says something like that and makes a joke like that and they end up going, oh, that was 10 years ago or that was five years ago or whatever, things are different. Kevin Hart is like, "Ah, I don't really see the problem with what I said. Yeah. This sucks, you all suck, goodbye. Which maybe is not the greatest presence for a host of a very popular show. But the fact that they went hostless just kind of seems like a cop-out. Instead of hiring anyone who isn't problematic in Hollywood, they exist, Mm -hmm. you know, despite popular (laughs) belief. And it's just, it's kind of, it could have been a really great platform like the Globes did to lift up voices that don't normally get to host these things. So speaking of more controversy with the Academy Awards, Mm -hmm. Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, both got Best Picture noms and too many other nominations. Yes. So it's not surprising, but not great that mm-hmm. we have another white savior story in Green Book and that we have a an abuser directing mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. So, and it's, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I feel like they both have a chance. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is upsetting. They, yeah, they seem like the two frontrunners at this point because they have both sweeped in their respective categories mm-hmm. and they're split up by genre um, for the Globes and for SAG and all this other Critics' Choice Awards and stuff like that. And there's really no sense of it stopping. Regardless of how much bad press either of them gets or how many new controversies arise, um, they are both just steamrolling ahead. It is just it's so tone deaf and sure you can give props to Rami Malek's performance but when it really comes down to it the movie as a film it is not good it's easily one of the worst if not the worst picture to be nominated for best picture Mm -hmm. in the academy history do you think that with Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book being the presumable front runners right now you look at the rest of the nominees you have Roma Mm -hmm. you have Black Klansman you have Black Panther you have The Favorite do you think the academy can kind of still do what they want but then give nominees 
combinations to make it appear mm-hmm. as if they're making strides in the right direction. Yeah, I think that is that's a huge marketing play for the Academy. I think that with Time's Up and with all these different movements happening in Hollywood right now, we're seeing these industries and institutions trying to open the door for different stories and maybe undoing some problematic things in the past. But And while, quote unquote, the Academy doesn't mean anything or the Oscars don't really mean anything, they still hold a vital amount of power in terms of the industry and in terms of like how we look back at film and, and our culture at that moment. It just seems with all of these Best Picture nominees that they're really trying to check all the boxes. They're not mm-hmm. doing a great job mm-hmm. because you have the favorite females. Predominantly female, very strong female cast. Mm-hmm. And queer. Roma, yes, and yes. queer, yeah. yes. And then you have political stuff like Vice. Mm-hmm. Then you have Bohemian Rhapsody. You have Black Klansman, Black Panther. So you're playing mm-hmm. the superhero fans for the first time, right. really. Yeah. But in essence, it's hard to say that anything's really changed. But with the Oscars, it's really about representation for whatever films or people win. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever the nominees are, if you win, all these interviews that you're going to do, if you're nominated, that's so much press Mm -hmm. with your voice being shared and showcased. Mm -hmm. I would love to be surprised. Let that be known. I Mm -hmm. don't want to be like... Mm-hmm. Career, yeah. right. but I would love the favorite to get it. I would love Roma to get it. So obviously there are always going to be snubs just because like so many movies are released and mm-hmm. this is a very small amount of people picking the movies that are being nominated. But what are some of the films that you wish you had seen nominations for among any category, really? Sure. I mean, my favorite of last year was First Reformed and I knew that it was not going to get a lot of play. I was actually very surprised that it got the best original screenplay mm-hmm. nod because I think that's really great. But I do wish that Ethan Hawke got recognition as best leading actor because really when you look at that category it is rough stuff and he by far had one of the best male performances Mm -hmm. of the year and another one I feel like is any woman (laughs) exactly to put it in context only five women have ever been nominated for best director in the 90 years of the academy only one of them has won which is Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. Mm. And while Can You Ever Forgive Me got a lot of nods, more than I was expecting, and I'm very pleased by, the fact that both of the actors plus the screenplay got nods and not the director, it doesn't really make any sense mm-hmm. to me because the reason both of those actors mm-hmm. are very good and they work well with the screenplay is because they have good direction, at least in my opinion. Like, at least that's how my understanding of film works. And Marielle Heller at least said that she doesn't feel snubbed, but it's also plenty of other films directed by women this year that were fantastic, both critically and by audiences. And to see another year of all-male directors is very frustrating. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I also wanted to see way more nominations for If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that didn't get a Best Picture nomination. The fact that it didn't get a Best Picture nom over Vice. Or just in there. Yeah. yeah. There was room. Yeah. It seemed just like a misstep for sure. Regina King got nominated, which is great. But that definitely should have gotten more. Also, this is a great year for horror. Yeah. And as the Academy tends to do... (laughs) Yeah, horror doesn't exist for them. Horror does not exist. They don't like it. Um, Specifically the performance of Toni Collette, which um, in Hereditary, which may have got a lot of social media press, maybe to a fault, while her performance is incredible. It feels as though she is being punished for the category in which her film resides, Mm -hmm. the genre in which her film resides, because she had an incredible female performance this year and was not recognized. The fact that Suspiria didn't get a hair and makeup nod and there were only three nominees does not make any sense to me. Like, there is room for that category, and Tilda Swinton is literally three people in that movie. Yes. (laughs) Because of makeup and special effects. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And the fact that like 
like that seemed like it was the category for it to win. And also that Annihilation didn't get anything. That is, yeah. it didn't. It definitely should have gotten something for sound or for editing or visual effects. Yeah. Another snub for a movie with smart female characters leading it. So that's frustrating, as always. I was also excited to see Spike Lee get nominated mm-hmm. because his work is innovative and important. What are you most excited about, Cody? I'm really excited for the documentaries. I think Minding the Gap getting the nod is really great. I wish Shirkers was in there. Mm-hmm. I'm also really excited for the foreign film category. I really enjoyed Shoplifters last year. I think that has a really good chance. And yeah, I'm excited for most of the like actress nominees. And Yorgos' directing nom is very exciting for me. Specifically. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Favorite got a lot of love, which makes me happy because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, thanks a lot for coming on and talking to us, Cody. Yeah, thanks for having me. And speaking of movies, Jenny, you have been working on a pretty extensive project. You want to tell us about it? Yeah. So I've been working on a project of cataloging movies that have transgender, gender nonconforming, and cross-dressing characters with a specific focus on horror films. So why horror? So I'm a horror fan myself, so I always seek out horror. And there's this common trope in horror films with the murderous trans woman where the trans character is a quote-unquote man dressed as a woman and she's scary because she's not really a woman in the eyes of the filmmakers and the eyes of the audience at least that's what they want you to believe i noticed part of your piece you mentioned that trans women in horror are abject beings Mm -hmm. can you describe what that term like really means So the term comes from Kristeva, who is a feminist theorist, and she has a whole essay on abjection, and it's basically all of the gross stuff that comes out of your body. It's like vomit, blood, pee, all of that gross stuff, and it suddenly becomes gross when it's not part of you, when it's outside of the self. So the reason it becomes uncomfortable is because it's crossing the boundary between self and not self, and in thinking of that concept on a larger scale, in a scale of society per se, anyone who crosses a boundary or a border becomes abject. So we've, for for instance, in the case of gender, we've created these boxes of man and woman. So trans people are crossing that boundary and that makes people uncomfortable. There's a lot of elements of fear and horror. Are these depictions, are they more of a way of kind of creating an us versus them through those types of individuals? I think it's actually interesting because it's not as simple as an us versus them because a lot of trans people watch horror films. So it's an us versus us because we watch it and at moments you're identifying with the trans character, but then they turn around and kill someone. So you can tell that you're supposed to think negative things about this trans character, but you're also identifying with them. So it becomes more complex when you are trans. For cisgender people or people who identify with the gender they're assigned at birth, I'm sure it's more of an us versus them experience. For me, it's a very conflicting and strange experience, especially when I watch a movie that I enjoy that has a poor representation of a trans character. Is that because there are so few representations of trans characters that you're kind of stuck with these horror film depictions of them? Yes, for sure. There are better depictions in more recent films that are not horror films, but especially for someone like me who loves the horror genre, it's upsetting to see that this is the representation we have within the genre. And it's one of the genres where trans people are 
really more frequently represented than in any, any other genre. Um, for instance, I've been cataloging these movies and I have about 150 films in all genres that I've found in all of time, all nations, and 40 of them are horror. Wow. So 40 out of about 150. That's a big percentage. So the last couple of years, 2017, 2018, have been huge for horror. We've kind of entered in this new phase where it's finally getting some respect for being truly artistic and actually getting some awards with Get Out. With that, are you finding that the representation of trans characters in these horror movies, are, are they getting better? Is there an upward trend? I'm not really seeing any improvement. Rather, what I'm seeing is there's no new representations of trans women in horror, which is kind of good, kind of bad, because historically it's been bad. So I, that's what I would expect it to continue to be. But we do, the most recent examples I can think of are about 2012, when The House at the End of the Street and Insidious Chapter 2 were released. And in both of those movies, there are characters who are trans or viewed as trans because their abusive parents decided to raise them as a different gender, not because the child actually identified that way. And that's the case in House at the End of the Street. So there's that weird trope of it kind of it's kind of goes along with the fear mongering of like, should we listen to trans kids and should we let kids choose their gender and things like that. And so those are negative images perpetuating more negative stereotypes and I'm not seeing a change but it's not necessarily that there are more bad representations in the past two years it's just that there aren't many most of the depictions of trans characters in horror films have been as villains as the antagonists right so let's say they are the protagonists let's Mm -hmm. say they're just a character Mm -hmm. does that also enter in like a problematic space if say in horror movies how people get killed it's an interesting spot in time where part of me wants to say, yeah, let's have a, a trans woman be the protagonist and have her get killed just like any other protagonist would get killed. But we also live in a world where trans women are murdered at an alarming rate, and I don't think we need to see that on screen. So I don't think we can afford a representation like that until we have an abundance of good representation. Then we can go for the more nuanced, the more cl- complex Really, all I want to see now is just trans people existing in movies and preferably not getting killed. 